This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. Uh, glad to have you with me. I I, I got want to get to the FBI agents, but before I do, there's a story I was going to get to last hour until I had my emotional breakdown on radio. I, I want to go in, into the Wayback Machine uh, to 2022. Um, in 2022, just last year, we had this story in Politico, the return of the Lady Macbeth trope. This was in Politico. In a 1993 interview, Katie Kirk asked Hillary Clinton, then the new First Lady, about the comparisons to Lady Macbeth. Do you think it's because you're such a powerful woman? What does it come from? For Clinton, it may have been early days for the comparison to a Shakespeare character who orchestrated the murder of a king so she could become queen. But comparisons that reflect anxiety about powerful political spouses have a long history. Now in the final days of the 2022 midterms, the assertion that politicians' wives are the women behind the curtain secretly pulling the strings in their husband's campaign or administration is back. And it shows how gender roles can still be weaponized in political attacks with a few 2020 specific twists. Taking on Giselle Fetterman, Kamala Harris, and Jill Biden. Remember, the Wall Street Journal published an op-ed about Jill Biden using the word doctor, insisting people call her doctor. And the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and others all pounced, insulted, and offended by the fact that she put in the work for her EDD. You better call her a doctor. And at the end of 2022, Politico runs a story about how sexist it is to use the Lady Macbeth trope against women whose husbands are in politics. That was November 4th, 2022. Fast forward to today, May 19th, 2023. The Casey DeSantis problem, his greatest asset and his greatest liability. And in fact, they do the Lady Macbeth trope. 
So we're not, I mean, what, November, December, January, February, March, April, seven months removed from the Politico saying it is sexist to attack a politician's spouse as Lady Macbeth. Politico attacks Casey DeSantis as Lady Macbeth. Please tell us, she was asked about her husband, Casey DeSantis, the wife of Ron DeSantis, just a few minutes before at a table in the crowd had looked oddly disengaged, listening to him give a speech this past Saturday evening in a drab hotel conference room here, sitting somewhat stiffly, clapping intermittently, her face flat and her shoulders almost slumped. Now, though, having been prompted to join him on stage, she turns in expression and tone suddenly and noticeably brighter. That's a good question, she cooed thanking the head of the state Republican Party for having them, for convening the scripted Q&A before launching into a three-and-a-half-minute stump speech of an answer in which she called her husband a fighter and a good dad and a good person and really the embodiment of the American dream. For some time now, Casey DeSantis has been mostly seen by many as an absolute superstar an antidote for her sometimes awkward husband, social in a way that he is not, charismatic in a way he is not, generally and seemingly at ease in the spotlight in a way that he often and so evidently is not. In the DeSantis political project, she is unusually important and uncommonly involved. For nearly as long, though, others who have worked with her or around her have nodded more quietly to the downsides of the starring part she plays. She's the power behind the throne, a Republican lobbyist tells me. The tip of the spear, says a Republican consultant. One in particular during the first year of his administration struck many then as a short-sighted miscalculation. The ouster of Susie Wiles, the well-respected operative. You know, Susie Wiles is helping Donald Trump. In fact, the people who are quoted in this piece are Trump people. In the tragic drama, Lady Macbeth prods her husband to kill the king so she can be the queen. At this juncture, the literary analogy only goes so far. Literally, I mean, the Politico seven months ago does a huge story on how it is sexist and outmoded to attack a political spouse as Lady Macbeth. And seven months later, they're allowing Roger Stone to make the comparison. Having Roger Stone talk about marriage is like having Jeffrey Dahmer talk about charcuterie. Do you really want to do that? Yes, Politico really wants to do that. Have you ever noticed, Roger Stone says, how much Ron DeSantis' wife Casey is like Lady Macbeth? Stone's hyperbolic charge is but a piece of a broader effort on the part of Trump forces to kill in the crib the candidacy they consider its greatest threat. He's a leader. Now they turn to anonymous staffers. He's a leader who makes political decisions with the assistance of his wife, who was elected by nobody, who's blindly ambitious, and she sees ghosts in every corner. She's more paranoid than he is, says a second staffer. He's a vindictive MFer. She's twice that, says a higher up. On one of his former campaigns, she's a scorekeeper. Okay, so let me give you the back story here. So Susie Wiles is a political operative in Florida. She's helped Donald Trump make some poor decisions. Susie Wiles was on Team DeSantis. The DeSantis team didn't like her. They didn't think she was loyal, and they pushed her out. Susie Wiles is now with Donald Trump. 
It was Susie Wiles' preferred pick who lost the Jacksonville mayoral race to the Democrat the other day. I don't think it's a coincidence. You have this story in Politico with Roger Stone and an assortment of of uh, side commentary by anonymous staffers, probably all tied to Susie Wiles, uh, who are nursing vendettas and grudges and trying to make this about Casey DeSantis. Now, here's what I find fascinating by this. They're not even saving the stuff for when he runs. They're, I mean, literally what we have seen to stop DeSantis from getting in is attacks on all fronts. They're blaming him for Disney. You know, uh, Donald Trump is defending Bud Light now and joining Disney and the groomers against DeSantis. He attacked DeSantis for signing pro-life bills. I mean, it, it's it's actually, to some degree, I think somewhat uh, harmful to Trump. This is an evangelical leader in Iowa, by the way, talking about Donald Trump has come out against pro-life legislation and against DeSantis for signing a pro-life bill in Florida. Well, it's a huge problem. And the thing that is, the former president could take a victory lap by just saying, hey, look, at I'm the guy who gave you three Supreme Court justices that overturned, overturned Roe v. Wade. But instead, he then uh, alienates himself from the pro-life community by saying, you're the reason we didn't do better in 2022. Instead of saying, listen, wherever my fingerprints were in 2022, we did dismally. And then just recently saying that Ron DeSantis, who signed a heartbeat bill in the state of Florida, that that was too harsh. The pro-life community expects better than that. I thought his answer to the pro-life issue on the CNN town hall, Caitlin Collins, I thought that was a disaster as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so you've got Donald Trump making these missteps. Here comes DeSantis. He's announcing next week he's going to have millions of dollars out of the gate. He's going to have more money in his super PAC out of the gate than Trump has in his super PAC out of the gate. And they're they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him. And now they're coming for his wife. It has long been known and, and believed that Casey DeSantis is an asset for uh, for Ron DeSantis, she has good political instincts. She stays on the sidelines in the background. She gives him wise counsel. You know, these are the attacks leveled against Nancy Reagan uh, when Ronald Reagan was president. These are the attacks leveled against Barbara Bush when George H.W. Bush was president. Now they're being leveled against DeSantis that he listens to his wife. Ladies and gentlemen of America, I think it kind of is a good thing that a governor, a congressman, a would-be president listens to his wife. Donald Trump's had three of them and apparently has listened to none of them. Ron DeSantis has one. They have multiple children. He listens to his wife. He takes her counsel. And they are a team. Isn't that kind of what you want? This attack on Casey DeSantis, the Politico seven months ago said this sort of attack was sexist. And here they go attacking her. It's 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 not surprising to me that this is happening at all. It's really not. Uh, it is not surprising to me that they would throw this attack at her. What I do, however, find notable is that they're doing this now. They're they're not waiting. They have, I think, in the past waited for candidates to actually get in the race before they stopped dopping the op- dumping the oppo research on him it kind of tells you how big a threat the press and the president believe that Ron DeSantis is they can't wait to dump all the oppo on him they can't wait the i mean 
when you do a campaign, you're you're typically, you're not trying to rough somebody up. You're you're but in this case, they're trying to actively stop DeSantis from getting into the race. And the way they're doing it now is they're attacking his wife to try to stop him from getting into the race. An attack, by the way, the Politico said seven months ago was sexist. The Politico itself is now doing and allowing political operatives who hate DeSantis, who Casey DeSantis was smart enough to know needed to be gotten away from Ron DeSantis, they're the ones with the ax grinding against her. It actually speaks highly of her that all of these people who wish to remain anonymous feel the need to take shots at her because she stifled their political careers. Her husband got reelected governor of Florida in a landslide election, and they were not along for the ride because she made sure of it. That actually speaks very highly of her political acumen. These people are trying to turn this strength into a negative, and they're trying to do it to stop DeSantis from getting into the race next week, which tells you all you need to know about how scared they are of his entry. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson, and the phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. This hour of the show brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you need access to capital, $250,000 or more, reach out to First Liberty for your business, buying a building, building a building, growing a franchise, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Uh, I want to get to your phone calls here, but there is some breaking news just happened. President Biden uh, in Japan has endorsed plans to train Ukrainian pilots on U.S. made F-16 fighter jets. Uh, he huddled with allies at the G7 summit. He's been pushed by U.S. senators and the allies to allow it. The president now endorsing the idea. Uh, a short time ago, the Associated Press broke word uh, that he will allow Ukrainian pilots to train on the F-16s. All right. Uh, let me get to the phones. Nate, you're up next. Welcome. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, wonderful. How are you? Good. Uh, What's going quick, on? Quick, quick, quick comment here on the, going back to that Chevron doctor. I think the biggest losers and the people most afraid of being overturned is Congress themselves. Yes. You know, they, they, they purpose, they purposely write these blogs vaguely so that they never have to run on them when they are enforced. Instead, they get to run against the executive agencies. So I, I think that's missed in all of this is our, our congressional leaders are purposely abrogating their power to these agencies, and they're afraid that now they're going to have to run on their records. Yeah, I, look, I think so. Uh, you run on the record, and because they've got to be more precise in how they write the laws, uh, they can't pass it off to the regulatory agencies and blame the regulators. Ah, we didn't do it. The regulators did it. I mean, that's the trick con- congressmen play when they campaign for offices. All of them, Democrat and Republican, they go after the regulators. They look at what these regulators did. Well, the regulators did it because you passed a stupid law that allowed them to do it. But they want to hide from that fact. They, they don't like to be challenged on that. All right. Let's see here. Is it uh, Amir? Almir? I'm, uh, hey, this is Almir. I'm from Cumming, Georgia. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Hey, uh, I was listening to when the guy called from Florida, or or not the call, but the one you let speak. Yeah, the, the uh, yes, the the reparations, the three, the three million dollar one. Um, he, uh, I mean, you know, we can play that game. I mean, you know, I, I I wish we could repay to the generation that actually does deserve it. But uh, let's say we do pay three million dollars, or a million, or two, whatever the settlement is. 
But then we go away and take away like funding for uh, black colleges, uh, funding, uh, deleting all the laws that right now put them in a, in a position like as companies where they have to have equal employment of this and this and that, like it, 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 either you earn it or you don't. Uh, you, you, you go to school, you have good grades and you get into the school the right way. Uh, you don't just get it because of, of some kind of a, you know, uh, uh, how would I say it, uh, like a payback or, or based on your color of skin, based right. on your race, based on anything. Just, hey, you know, here's your $3 million. But I feel like this generation, they would blow through this money so quick. And then it <laughs> they would, would. You know, it, it'd be going back again to, hey, you know, we need more. We need more. But I feel like if we take clean, clean the slate with all the laws, and just say, here's your payout. Do whatever you want with it, but there's mm-hmm. no more. There's it's it, it's not equal results. It's equal opportunity. Yeah, and I it, think that would be very fair. So yeah, I mean, essentially, what what it is 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 okay. Here here's your money. Now, no more affirmative action. Uh, no no more no more specialized programs. No more welfare benefits. No, yeah, I mean, that's essentially what's happening here. If we're honest about, it, if we're really honest about it. What's honestly going on and the reason the left wants reparations, the reason white secular people want reparations is because they're tired of it. Their programs have failed. Their policies have failed. Their government expansion has failed. And so they're like, let's just throw money at them, say we've solved the problem and move on. They don't actually – I mean everything the left has ever come up with has failed in this great society. Just just broke up families, uh, did not improve the lives of people. Uh, affirmative actions in colleges, you, you've ruined public high schools. So these kids get scholarships to go to Harvard. They get there, they drop out because they can't make they they can't make it. And they're like, all right, let's just give you three million dollars. We'll wash our hands of it and be done with it, and and give up on them. Uh, I think that's a horrible, horrible way to look at it, and it's also not practical. It's not feasible. You're not going to get it. There are all sorts of convoluted plans. Uh, to to try to make reparations happen. How do you implement it? Who gets it? Why should my family have to pay when my family uh, wasn't here during the Civil War? We've ne- we never owned slaves. My family's Swedish, uh, immigrated over in the 20th century. Uh, why? Why? Um, and then how do you distinguish the people who get it? It's it's an impractical thing for progressives who can then say, well, we just aren't doing it because the country's systematically racist and and would just wash their hands of it. They're ready to move on. They're tired of dealing with it. When we come back, the FBI whistleblowers, have y'all heard the audio of this? My gosh, the FBI needs to just be burned down, uh, the the ground salted, and we can come up with something new and different. This agency at least needs reform. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877 973-7425. It is an open line Friday. You are very welcome to call in. I want to talk about the FBI. You know, the the FBI has just a series of issues and problems. And they oftentimes get dismissive or get dismissed by people. But let's take out of it the... Donald Trump stuff just for just just let's set that aside for a minute because there are some 
progressives who, when they hear you talk about the FBI and you bring up, oh, that's what this is about. This is about, no, 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 no. Objectively, the FBI has problems. There was the Ruby Ridge situation where they were, well, they were trying to serve papers on Randy Weaver. They had a shootout. They were trying to serve papers. His wife and son were killed by the FBI agents on accident. The government paid out over $3 million. I mean, we, 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 we don't even have to get into what happened in, in Waco with that. Um, but then there's the Larry Nassar situation. He was the uh, doctor with, who was sexually assaulting the gymnast. The FBI investigation was screwed up there. There's the Stoneman Douglas High School shooting, Parkland shooter in Florida. Turns out the FBI had received information on the public access line a month before the shooting from a person close to the shooter. Suggesting he needed to be looked at. They dropped the ball on that. I mean, time and time again, the FBI has had problems. In the Senate Judiciary Committee noted that in just last year, hundreds of FBI employees under investigation for sexual misconduct quit their jobs before facing discipline from 2004 to 2020, according to internal Justice Department records obtained by uh, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa. The records provided by whistleblower disclosures illuminate concerns that senior officials are facing lighter penalties than lying employees for similar misconduct and call into questions the effectiveness of the FBI's responses to sexual misconduct. In 1996, it was the FBI who fingered Richard Jewell for the Olympic Park bombing, and it turned out not to be him. And then there's the Gretchen Whitmer plot to kidnap her. Um, the FBI bungled it. They had to retry the people. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has problems. And by the way, that's not an exhaustive list. The FBI has problems. It has problems with surveillance. Do you know at one point FBI agents um, posed as Associated Press reporters and accidentally put computer viruses on a computer? That, that's right. FBI agents posed as Associated Press reporters and accidentally, and, and by all accounts it was an accident, put a computer virus on a kid's computer that then wiped out a bunch of computers. And it was all a screw-up by the FBI posing as a reporter. They also have gone in, they've edited Wikipedia. A, a, a researcher found that FBI agents were rewriting things critical of the FBI on Wikipedia, doing so from inside the FBI. They found the IP addresses. There was the Robert Hansen situation. Robert Hansen was a spy, one of the most damning uh, situations against the government, very damaging leak situation. He was a spy for the Soviet Union. They finally they, they finally caught, uh, pled to 15 counts of espionage, undermined U.S. national security, did so from inside the FBI. And then the, the Whitey Bulger situation, they screwed up that. I mean, the FBI keep screwing things up. Now, there are a lot of good FBI agents. You do need to know there are a lot of good FBI agents out there. But the upper echelons of the FBI have increasingly become 
partisan and politicized. I mean, there's even the, the James Comey handling of the Hillary Clinton servers. I mean, say what you will about Hillary Clinton, whatever you want to say, the fact of the matter is James Comey coming out with his letters about Hillary Clinton originally until they decided to blame Russia. That's what the Democrats blamed on Hillary Clinton losing. And as much as I disagree with them, I can see when the FBI director comes out and says, hey, we're closing this investigation. And a few weeks later comes out and says, hey, actually, my bad. We're not closing the investigation yet. We still think we might get something. And he does it all publicly. It undermines a presidential uh, campaign. And now we know, add in Hillary, add in uh, Donald Trump, they had no basis to begin the Christopher Steele dossier investigation, but they did it. There's the campaign finance controversy with Bill Clinton and Al Gore, where Al Gore was raising money at a Buddhist temple. And the FBI screwed up that investigation, and the upper echelons of the FBI would not allow the agents to even interview the vice president of the United States. And the FBI never gets reformed. It just continues. They keep screwing up. It keeps getting worse. The agency needs to be reformed. Now, let's listen to FBI Special Garrett, uh, Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle. And Mr. O'Boyle, we we just heard from you, you your your interaction with Mr. Gates and how all of this occurred and all of the hardships you've gone through. If one of your really good friends, your former colleagues, came to you and said, "I have this thing that is being covered up." And I think the American people know to, know, need to know about it. What advice would you give them? I would tell them first to pray about it long and hard. And I would tell them I could take it to Congress for them, or I could put them in touch with Congress, but I would advise them not to do it. So you would legitimately try to protect one of your colleagues from doing what you have done? Absolutely. And how do you think that solves being able to shine light on corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people? It doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that. I can't think of a more sobering way to end a hearing. I yield back. That was one. Listen to this exchange. Mr. Friend, you ever been to a school board meeting? Yes, I have. FBI ever sent you to the parking lot of a school board meeting? Yes, they have. And in the parking lot of a school board meeting where the FBI sent you, you were taking down information regarding people's license plates? That's correct. Now, it wasn't the first time you'd been to a school board meeting, was it? No, I went on my own as a private citizen. As a parent? Yes. And so there you were. It must have been quite an interesting perspective. There you were taking down the information of people, parents attending school board meetings on behest of the FBI, and you had been one of those parents at a school board meeting. How did that feel? Well, after I attended privately, my colleagues teased me that they were probably going to start investigating me. You used to go after the worst of the worst, didn't you? Yes, I believe so. You went after people who looked at child porn? Yes. People who were sexually exploiting children? Yes. And then you were in the parking lot of a school board meeting taken down the information of parents. What happened to the cases that you were working to, to protect our communities from the worst predators that exist? I was told they were not to be resourced. Uh, and then uh, after I was suspended, uh, they were handed off to local law enforcement. Wow. So the FBI just decided it was more important to have you in that parking lot of that school board meeting than getting the worst of the worst away from people that they could harm. That's correct. 
but you deserve the consequences you are getting, according to the ranking member. Oh, yep. Now one more. Mr. O'Boyle, what the ranking member said that when people break the law, they deserve the consequences they get. And it doesn't matter that they served in the military. So what law did you break before the FBI packed up all your stuff and moved it across the country to Virginia? No true law. The only thing I broke was not towing the line for the FBI. Like I said when I opened, my oath is to the Constitution, not to the FBI. And our laws provide you avenues to talk to Congress, to talk to your supervisors about those concerns, right? Correct. And so you didn't deviate from that, did you? No. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't go to the media first, did you? No. You used what the law provided, and your family has paid an exquisite price for that, haven't they? They have. How old were your children when they moved you across the country? <clears throat> Six, five, three, and two weeks. A two-week-old baby. Could you get your stuff? Six weeks later. Oh, so for six weeks, almost every possession to your name the FBI had and wouldn't give back to you. How, how did you... What, what time of year was it? Was it winter, summer? When I reported, it was in September. Uh, so when we were traveling, it was summertime, essentially. So we had basically summer clothes, but then we were... Uh, basically stranded uh, in Wisconsin, which is where we're from. It gets cold there pretty pretty quick. And yeah, I'll take your word for it. I'm a Florida man. But what what was it like when you had to go and explain to your wife that you didn't have coats for your children because the FBI wouldn't give them back to you? It was horrible. I mean, we were uh, asking family for uh, clothes and... <clears throat> Excuse me. It was a difficult time. Yeah. You, were, you became a charity case, didn't you? I did. And now I get derided for that. I never thought I'd have to accept charity in my life. I thought I would be able to take care of my family. But I'm grateful for everyone who has provided charity to me. That even includes a former colleague's uh, church. I would name the church to give them recognition, but I'm too worried that the FBI would send informants to infiltrate that church as well. Yeah. Well, they've already done that with the Catholics. I yield back. Uh, yeah, they have. Yeah, can't forget the, the Catholic scandal. Now, uh, one more. This comes out uh, from Congressman Dan Bishop, who I know, good dude. And turns out that Bank of America has been giving the FBI a list of all credit card transactions in D.C. from January 5th to January 7th. Uh, the FBI just asked them to help them, and Bank of America obliged. And I think Americans need to hear it because there are other glimpses of just how the victimization is going on and how it's victimization at scale. This is one fact that struck me. The Bank of America records, the story that Bank of America turned over the credit card transactions, whether for an aircraft or a lodging or the purchase of a cup of coffee, for everyone who decided to come to Washington, to be in Washington area, the Northern Virginia area. That's one of the things that you asked questions about. There are victims all over the place. All of the people who suffered when the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security got involved in censorship with social media platforms, millions and millions of tweets and narratives being taken down. That is victimization at scale. It must be resolved. And the fact that those who profess to be most concerned about victimization of people 
by law enforcement in this country? Join in the victimization of you. I think that's the takeaway, at least for me, from this hearing. You know, the FBI, I, I take Donald Trump out of it. They have a series of failures over the years. The, inter, the inspector general within the FBI has in, insisted that there are problems. Why can't we reform this institution when the bureaucracy of the United States in any department gets that unwieldy? It should be reformed. And the dogmatic dismissiveness of the Democrats about anything related to the FBI is problematic because ultimately, you know, these things are cyclical. Republicans will get the White House again. There's no such thing as permanence in politics. Unless you're a Trump supporter, you understand this and you believe Republicans can win and will eventually win. And the fact that the Democrats don't want to fix this institution, it could turn on them. There's all sorts of documented problems. we got to fix the FBI. You may need to fix the air in your house because it's stinky and you should get an Eden Pure Thunderstorm because it works. You know, buddy of mine, Vince, uh, had a, a somebody rinse from him. He had a, a stinky refrigerator situation. And Vince is like, Here, here's the link. Order an Eden Pure Thunderstorm. They work. You can get three of them for less than $200. You go to EdenPureDeals.com today. You put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV or your travel bag, wherever you need it. You can plug them into the wall with a USB cord or plug them directly into the wall or into your car's USB outlet. It works. I've used them to get cigar odors out of my car. I've used them to get stinky odors off our back porch, used them in hotel rooms and in rental cars, and they just wipe out odors. You go to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. You get three of them for less than $200. They're an air purifier, so they get rid of the dust, the pollen, the mold, all that. You just wipe them out on occasion. You don't have to get a filter subscription. But where they really, really shine, odor elimination. Smoke odors, litter box odors, pet odors, cooking odors, musty odors, they wipe them out. EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code ERIC. Greetings, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the phone number 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. Daniel, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. It's always funny. I get to when I talk to you. It's always at the bottom uh, bottom of the hour. Before <laughs> the, uh, just uh, simultaneously, it's happened. Um, but uh, I was talking with your uh, screener, and I was like, "Doesn't the president have the right to hire?" and fire the F- anyone in the FBI or basically the FBI director. Um, well, I'm not going to name anyone on the Georgia Republican Executive Committee who is on his way out the door who is blaming the FBI for all the screw-ups, for six you mentioned. But I'm like, well, didn't Trump put him in office? Uh, or didn't Trump hire him? Of course, you know, he got confirmed by the Senate. And, you know, so forth. But the thing is, um, yes, uh, the FBI has screwed up plenty of times, and they're going to continue to screw up. And they're going to, to be honest, in my opinion, they're going to screw both parties no matter how you look at it. So, just, Yeah, listen, uh, if, if you're about the acquisition of power, as these bureaucrats <laughs> tend to be, uh, any side that deprives you of power, and eventually uh, both sides deprive you of power because they want the power, you're going to go after them. 
the Democrats have as much incentive to clean up the FBI as the Republicans do. Eventually, I mean, the FBI will come for them. So there, there's a we need to clean them up. They need to be cleaned up. But yeah, and, and to Daniel, to your point, I mean, Christopher Ray is Donald Trump's appointed head of the FBI, and those who serve under Ray uh, were appointed by the president. They serve at the pleasure of the president. So a Republican can't clean up the the base level FBI offices because of the Civil Service Act, but they can clean up the upper levels of the FBI. They can put in people who are committed to reform, and that isn't something that has happened, and it's something that needs to happen. We've got to clean this institution up. It, it, it needs to be cleaned up.